Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. It's time for another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry talking about the world of movies and lots to get to today in a in a different year at a different time, Chuck. This would have been a big weekend show for us. It is Oscar weekend and times have changed. Chuck and I used to really get up and excited about these this big event. And uh, I, I don't know if you've been able to tell over the last five or six years of the podcast, if you've been listening, we've grown, at least I have grown very sour on not only the presentation, uh, but just overall what the Oscars have become. We'll talk more about that. We're actually going to rank our 10 favorite best picture pictures uh, coming up later on in the show. But let's bring them in right now. And Chuck, if uh, you didn't remind me with texts and every once in a while, if I saw a commercial on Hulu, I would totally have forgotten that the Oscars are this weekend. Oh, you're lying. Give, Give me, me a, break. a On a scale forgotten? of one to 10, what is your juice yeah. level for this year's Oscars? Nah. 10 being the most four. Yeah. I, I, my, four and a half. Maybe mine's probably at around a two, two and a half. That's um, really low. Uh, even though I did rewatch. Oh, I, let me guess. So you're going to be tuning into the cliff uh, part two of the cliffhanger of the walking dead at nine o'clock. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, Give me some Negan. Uh, I actually just rewatched West Side Story. I am rooting for that. I watched it with my daughter. She liked well, we it. We both know it has no shot. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't know about it no should. shot, but probably not. It should. It should. It should. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, heading into the to, to the big show, um, what are you looking forward to? Is there something that you want, you're rooting for, you want to come out of all this? Yeah, I want to, I want to be entertained. Yeah, the chance, chances of that are slim. So what about, is there a certain movie besides West well, Side here, Story? Well, here, 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 here's, here's a list of some of the presenters. I just read now that Jason Momoa and James Brolin will hand out the eight Oscars that are going to be given out before the telecast begins live. And right. then obviously they're going to edit that into the live broadcast. So you got Jason Momoa, uh, Josh Brolin uh, as presenters. These are the list of presenters. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal. He's got the new movie, The Ambulance, coming out. Sure. Um, Venus and Serena Williams. We know why, because of King Richard, King Richard, right? Yes. Rachel Ziegler, who was uh, was not invited. I, I I guess that's with some sort of a. Uh, oversight and now she think- is going to be a presenter here's the thing you tell me who in the academy that was co- on the telecast uh, with the academy working with abc said okay rachel ziegler young actress very appealing starring in a steven spielberg musical remake of west side story one of the nominees currently cast as snow white yep. in disney's live action version and they said oh no we don't want her to present are you kidding me like, seriously, if you want to get younger, right, well, she'd be like at the top of the list. No, you would think so. You would think so. Okay, so she'll she'll be presenting Holly Berry, Kevin Costner, Mila Kunis and Uma Thurman and John Travolta. I, I would expect they'll come out together and, you That's know, good. whole fiction homage. Um, they're trying to I, I think they're trying to uh, last I read, trying to get Beyonce to make uh, an, an appearance. So it, clearly they want to get hip and younger. No James Bond. I didn't see Daniel Craig on the list. That's interesting. Um, that is right. He's got a yeah. Well, he's got the movie came out this year, and he's got Knives Out too. You think ah, whatever. Uh, either way, I don't know. And then you've got the three females hosting it. I, I have, I have. Really... And I, I know, I know, I know that they're trying because I read reports back and forth. They're trying to get 
I guess the uh, the president of of Ukraine uh, of Ukraine Zelensky uh, to come yeah, on and do and, and Zelensky, Zelensky make a video and, message yeah and do a, vid- a video. Listen, I have I have mixed feelings about it. One, it would make a great moment. Two, it feels a little shameless. You no, know? yeah, like it's it's, I'm, I'm mixed yeah, on why they're doing it. I get the why back, they're doing it because they're patting themselves on the back again. Nobody cares. The Oscars, considering people are having, dying in having, Ukraine, having, a movie getting yeah. an award or not, it's not an equivalency. Just it, you are entertainers, entertain. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, I guess it's always been political. It just bothers me now more than ever. But there's no reason, there's no room for that in this telecast, none whatsoever. Here's another thing. I was just talking to you before we went into broadcast. They, they, they're, they have now implemented the Oscars, the Academy, and starting in 2024 to be eligible for Best Picture nomination. You have to have a certain criteria of minorities in your movies, gay and lesbian actors, disabled people. You, here's the thing. That's all good, but you can't force it. If it's no. forced, it's not real, right? Is that no. I can't make you have I can't make you have empathy. I can't make you care about your fellow man. I if I force it on you, it's not real. What do I get out of it? And just because all those people are in the movie does not make it good. Right? And I know because I read I know I know this backlash around the edges that people just won't speak out in the industry. They have but to be. It's absurd. They, Come it on, absurd. it's absurd. Well, let's Listen, face this is it. Though, not politi- it's not a political issue. It's a common sense. Common sense. You don't have to be left, right, or center to have common sense. This is absurd. It's correct absurd. me if I'm wrong, though, Chuck. Yeah. This criteria you're speaking of, they already use when they're nominating these movies. That's part of the basis of how they're picking these movies to begin with. So it's already a travesty on what they're deciding is best picture or not. Moonlight, mm-hmm. uh, all these movies. They're not the best picture of the year. They're the, this is the criteria they've been using for the last five, six years anyway. I mean, if you're going to make good fellas, if you're going to make good, if you're going to make good fellas too, like, how are you going to use some of the criteria? You know, some of the criteria just will not work. It in, won't. In, in certain, it, it just won't. So what were they supposed to do with the departed? I mean, what, you know, things like that. This modern, so Spider-Man should have let had. Me, the, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Do you get the feeling when you watch certain movies now that, you know, they're plugging in certain genre, genre certain races? And, and, and I don't want to like I don't want to go into a diatribe about this issue because I respect diversity and right. it's good. But like you could almost feel like there's a there's a bulletin board in the office and go, Absolutely. OK, we need this, this, this and this in our movie. Who's it? I don't don't know if that's the way to go. It's not. Well, this is why the Little Mermaid won't be an, a red haired white girl. It, it's just not going to happen. Right. This is th- these are the decisions that they're making, because for some reason they feel pressure to have to be as diverse as possible when it's not needed. Uh, it's not. Um, but at the same time, it is a good. I mean, we want these people to get jobs for the right reasons, but not absolutely. Re- Listen, and I and I and I think at the end of the day, if the product's good, the product's good. And that's ultimately- that's all that matters. That's, That's all, all that matters. How, yeah, you, how you how you get there. But telling people, telling people that they have to do this, I just feels I don't know. I don't know if that's the right road to go down. But listen, I got a problem when they overpraise movies like The Power of the Dog or Coda because mm-hmm. of the subject matter and what it's about. These are OK movies that are getting praised like they're must see movies. You cannot you have to see that will change your life. They're just okay, and they're getting praised upon because of their subject matter. I, 
that's an issue. That's a problem. That's Hollywood patting themselves on the back and saying, we're good people. You're not good people unless you think the power of the dog's the best movie of the year. And that's why it's going to win. Not because it's the best movie of the year and millions of people have seen it. It's because of what the subject matter is. Let's face it. It's just it's mind boggling to me. You know, if you take away and I know we shouldn't always equate box office with quality, but you take away the hundred million dollar box office gross of Dune domestically. You take that out of the mix and you add all these movies, box office combined. Almost nobody's seen most of these movies. No, no, like nobody has seen these movies. And, and the people on a mass have, audience I mean, scale, it's just it. it it's just over even the listen, I've read I've read because I read a lot in the industry. This story is that a lot of the a lot of the voting academy never even seen Belfast. They don't they 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 haven't even even their own voting academy. A lot of them haven't seen some of these movies. Nah, it's a joke. It's a joke. And it's like throwing dots at a wall. It's really watered down everything. And it has been like this. We, I, it's not even a pandemic issue. This has been the way it's been since. I, I mean, easily since La La Land Moonlight, Chuck. It, I mean, but it's been before that as well. Um, the, yeah, it, the, the awards are a shambles. And nobody wants to watch them anymore either. It's, it's you could cut out eight awards all you want. It it ain't gonna make the show any well, better. Well, I t- I told you what what happened in the industry is, and we're gonna talk about a little bit more when I talk about the Lost City, which I saw today. They made a conscious choice, and I think it was a horrendous choice to stop doing certain genres, right? So yep. now we're at a point which I think is bad, real bad for the industry. They're banking on superhero movies like 80 percent or big big budget popcorn movies with massive scale and they went away from genres that we grew up and loved the 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 buddy cop movie the the female romantic comedy the pure comedy the the, the star driven comedy this is all gone and you say to yourself like why like don't they understand that people and i and listen I get excited about superhero movies, but like, there's got to be more than that. I want to see more. Like, I remember sitting in a movie theater in '84 watching Beverly Hills Cop with sold-out audiences going bonkers at the big screen. Where are movies like that? Lethal Weapon Two. How enjoyable was that movie back in the day, sitting in a theater, or a star-driven comedy like Back to School from '86 with Rodney Dangerfield? Even, even, even the John Hughes movies. Yeah. Like. They've taken so many genres and just said, we don't want to make these movies. And the question is, why? What is going on here? And the, and the ironic thing is, too, while all those movies were being made, you couldn't get a greenlit superhero movie made in a million years back in the eight. And they tried over and over and over again to make a superhero movie that would work. Uh, the Fantastic Fours and the Spider-Mans and Supermans with Nicolas Cage. They couldn't get these movies made. And now they're not making movies without being a superhero movie. Is people Do people get excited that Morbius is coming out next week? I mean, is that something... I, Maybe it's just me. I'm not. I'm not, but I'm sure there is. Right? I got to be honest with you. Like, I have no interest in that movie. Zero interest. Me, I don't. I mean, no. if you listen, I love Batman. I love. I, I love Batman. I'll see a Spider-Man movie. Any more? I'll. I'll see. I'll see ninety percent of the stuff. That one, I. I just don't have. Uh, I just don't have an interest. I don't. And I say to myself, and you look at you look at the slate of movies from now to the end of the year. Other than Jurassic World, Dominion, like, I'm not that excited. Yeah. Well, um, there's not much to get excited about. 
next week. Well, we have the Lost City this week. Next week, we'll have uh, uh, you'll actually have Sonic the Hedgehog 2, right? That's coming out mm-hmm. um, next week as well as uh, I believe. Is it Morbius comes out next week? I can't remember, but um, you did April get a 1st, chance to yeah. see. You did get a chance to see um, um, the Lost City. Lost City. And I, I got to tell you, I saw it on a whim. There was a girl who, who I know was having a birthday party at the theater I'm involved in in East Strasburg, Pocono Cinema. So she brought about 12 or 15 people, and they, they were watching Lost City. So she sent me a text. She said, would you show up for my birthday party? So I, I was just going to say hello. And I was like, you know what? I had a couple hours to kill early in the morning, 1030. I said, before we went on the air here, I said, let me watch it. And uh, so I sat down. I always sit in the back. I actually sat in the floor against the wall. Uh, I was drinking an orange juice and uh, and I had a cupcake. I just want to point that out. And yeah, anyway, this backstory is really fascinating. Our, our audience needs to know all this. <laughs> <It's important. laughs> so anyway, We're... I'm watching this movie and I got to tell you, one on the Sandra Bullock looks great. She's 57. She really she looks really good, like really, really good, like amazing for 57. Yeah. Chatham Tating, you know, he looks good. Am I a huge fan? Not a huge fan. I respect him, though. And I'm watching this movie, and as it goes on about halfway through, I, 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 I started reflecting. And I said to myself, this movie had – it was – and I know it's getting – you know, a lot of critics seem to enjoy it. And I'm great, and it's great, and it's going to make $30 million. That's what it's tracking on because it had $11.5 million Friday. I think that's awesome. I'm very happy. I wanted to do well. It's the, it will be the second biggest hit of post-pandemic for Paramount. Uh, other than Quiet Place 2, and it's the biggest date night opening since COVID. Great, right. but I got, I'm watching this movie, and when it ended, it might get fluff. It, it, it's just fluffier There's than not Jungle a lot of substance. Cruise. Zero. It's completely reliant on star power, and you know Sandra Bullock, and I like her, and but she, she's doing that shtick, like Miss Congeniality shtick. Yeah, he's playing a character that is so simplistic. He makes Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man look well he was intelligent but it's he's really <laughs> it's like a dumbed down character so is there and any, it has no way daniel ratcliffe goes his stroke plays this throwaway villain yeah this semblance to it the structure is but it has it there's no it romancing no the stone edge. type feeling on this movie at all no well the difference is the difference is she's she's a, she's in the vein of a of a, 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 at least a little bit of a stronger female character. He's right. a complete, like, I can't even well, describe his character. It's like it, a non-starter. It, it's like, he's just playing, he's just like, I'm not saying, the chemistry's fine. Like, people were like, they were laughing. But it has, there's no edge. It has zero edge. It has no I will no say substance. this, Chuck. I will say this, because it yeah. sounds like you're giving it a million it is, review. It, 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 it's me, very, it is very watchable. It's let very me watchable. say this, though. Yeah. Five minutes ago, you were craving for movies of this type of genre to be made. At least they made it, went to the theater. People were going to see it. So this is a genre that had been missing. That's back up on the big screen. That's got to be. You got to say something. You wish it was better. Don't get me wrong, but it's still there. And I'm glad for that. But the the problem is at the very end, you need, in in my opinion, for me to have some sort of satisfaction. I needed to felt that they went on a, a journey where there was a connection right. where they bonded. Right. I didn't feel it. I would it's imagine sort of like, that the okay. uh, it was underwritten. I would imagine it wasn't a very well written very, script. Very much so. Concept it's almost first. like they just they they, they it's it, they rely on an hour and fifty minutes of banter between yeah. the two. Yeah. 
which made it maybe a lot it. of it was ad libbed. Who knows? But um, I got it's a not an to... action sequence that's exciting. But let's put it that way. Not one. You know, you talk about a throwback genre. I got a chance to see a throwback genre. I, I give it. I give it two out of four stars. Uh, that's, that's what good. I would give it. But having said that, I think general audiences, if they're just looking to enjoy themselves for an hour and fifty minutes, they'll enjoy themselves well enough. I just uh, like edge in my movie. Right. Lots of edge in the movie. I got a chance to see this past week. A throwback genre with a throwback director too. Adrian Lin's um, Deep Water, which stars uh-huh. the intoxicating Anna de Armas and her then boyfriend. Tell me who she. Tell me who she is, so the audience knows. Well, she who was. She? Uh, she was in the last James Bond movie, but she was probably most known for Knives Out. She got an Academy How Award nomination. What's that? How old is she? I would say late twenties, maybe early thirties. Okay. Um, so you would consider her a newcomer. Basically, I think there's enough people. And then she dated Ben Affleck, which co-stars in the movie with her here. And he does a very good job, a very brooding character who has a wife who basically does whatever she wants with any guy that she wants. And he's got to keep the family together. And there's a, you know, that tinge of mystery throughout the entire film that Adrian Lynn is so good at. And one of the things I enjoyed about the film, Chuck, is that it reminded me of one of those fatal attraction, indecent proposal type movies that, you know, you could see yourself in the situation and you could see the situation get out of the hand. And I just think the last reel of the film, it goes off the tr- the tracks a little bit and it gets a little crazy with the, the where it turns out. But for the most part, I was really intoxicated by both of these actors from the mystery behind it as well. Um, it's currently, it's currently streaming where on Hulu now it's a Hulu movie. Okay. okay. Um, All but right. again, it reminded me, it was like, Oh, cool. Adrian Lynn. And it felt like a movie that Michael Douglas and Demi Moore could have starred in back in the eighties. Okay. He plays that type of Hulu? character where you don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. He seems like a good guy, but he could be a bad okay. guy. And, uh, right. it's good to see Ben Affleck too. in in this type of film, um, who stays busy, uh, and, uh, they definitely have chemistry in this movie as well. And she's just is he uh, is he is he is he Batman bulk in that movie or is he um, uh, he's is, a little he tender bar slim? No, to Batman, Batman bulk. He's bigger in this. Okay. He is. Um, All right. Uh, but really anything I've, I've seen her in that knives out um, James. Bond. She was the best part of the James Bond movie that came out last year, too. And I'm hoping that they get they do some sort of spin off with her. She was so good in that movie. I'll just watch her do anything. She's just uh, really, really it's very rare when. You know, females okay, can uh, capture uh, how the many screen against, out of four. Well, uh, probably a two and a half out of four, probably about a six. Again, the okay. ending, he just went in the wrong direction with the film, I felt. And and it, it could have been a little more ambiguous when it wasn't. So uh, but, you know, it's worth the again, Hulu, uh, it, you're not risking much. You're not spending 10 bucks to go to the theaters to go see it. So mm-hmm. uh, it changes your home perspective of of what you're doing, Chuck. Um any kind of big movie news that you have? I didn't see anything big other than the fact that this Batman Joker deleted scene hit the streams and everybody was buzzing about it on the Internet. Here's my question. I watched it. OK, now I like the Batman. I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. And I, and, and I, I think it's a movie you have to see more than one time because it's a slow burn, methodically paced, some terrific supporting characters, good acting. Um I watched this deleted scene for my first reaction was why really, why did they release it? That, um, my, actually, my first question is why did it get cut? It got cut because they didn't want, it got cut because I think it would have sucked the main storyline out of the film, which is the Riddler. And I think, it, I think it was a good thing. They cut it. Now, when I watched it, I got to be honest, my reaction was, well, a, you're I glad hated, they cut I it. Hated, 
I one they they filmed it through like Vaseline, like you on a camera lens. Like it's not you can't really see him that clear. And then when you do a little bit toward the end of the five minute sequence, he looks so nasty and ugly. It's not it's not a vision of the Joker I have. It appears Matt Reeves' vision for the Batman universe is going to make most of these rogue villains really nasty, ugly looking people. Like the Penguin's not an attractive looking character, although he's he's terrific performance in the movie. I I got to be honest with you. I know there's people who are praising this scene. I I don't like this scene. Yeah, I didn't think it was anything spectacular. The question I have for you next is, is and, and it also and it and the reason also they cut it because it completely changes the landscape of the of what's going on with Batman in this movie. Because in this deleted scene, Batman obviously put the Joker behind bars and meaning he had dealings with the Joker a year before the storyline starts to unwind in the Batman. So it really is a game changing scene for the timeline of what they're trying to do here. Now, having said that, since they released it and everybody's going to watch it, it's going to be in your conscious. So it's almost like um, it exists on some plane. It does. It, it, exi- it exists. It almost like what they call it canon. In most people mind a lot of it. This is going to be canon for them. Yeah. Like Bat- okay, that's the Joker. Now, I know he's a good actor. He was in Dunkirk, but like it just. I, I guess, listen, Warner Brothers is giving Matt Reeves carte blanche, I guess, to do what he wants here. But like after Nicholson and, and Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, I don't count Jared Leto. He's just that's just not an interpretation that I accept. Most people don't either, but like, I don't know. This is not the Joker. I want to say it's just, I, well, I got to be ask honest you, with my feelings. Let me ask you this. I guess we'll never see jo- Joaquin Phoenix again as a Joker. Is that going to happen? They, they've talked about Joker too, but my gut feeling is I don't think we will. Yeah. Well, and it, I would love to see his Phoenix, his uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker merge into the world of Robert Pattinson's Batman. Cause they would work in the same universe. They would. Yeah, maybe. maybe Having that. said that, they, they they did they still there's things with they, there's things with they did with Thomas Wayne in this movie that alters the conventional story of the gotcha. way things play out with Bruce Wayne's parents. So it's a tough ball to juggle. I don't think they're going to go that direction. Let's do Fast Five before we uh, head into our Best Picture top ten list. Uh, Chuck, uh, an interesting actress who's been around since a teenager, and maybe. I mean, the easy answer would be sex in the city. But Sarah Jessica Parker, I remember seeing Sarah Jessica Parker in a movie called Firstborn uh, way, uh, way back when um, and Footloose. Right. Uh, well, foot, Footloose. Um, but she actually made it. You know, girls just want to have fun. She got an, I she's know. Had different stages in her career. Um, I was always a fan of Honeymoon in Vegas as well. Sarah Jessica I Parker, like her, though, you I have to go you, with she, Carrie Bradshaw, she, right? Yeah, you would, because it, it, it that's her claim to fame and also loaded her bank account with a lot of money, but she, like even a movie like Footloose in a supporting role, she's really appealing. Really she sweet. Man, a lot yeah. to that movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. And of course, a lot, a, a whole generation would say Hocus Pocus, right? She's one of the three witches mm-hmm. and, and, and that and she'll be, and she'll be back in the D- Disney streaming movie this Halloween. Hocus yeah. Hocus Pocus too. Um, how about Kira Knightley, Chuck, who you and I both fell in love with early on in her career as well. Um, in love, in actually, love, right? actually, um, she's had a pretty I still said when, when she came, I remember and I talked about it when she came on screen in Love Actually, I was like, my God, this woman's this she's beautiful. Like the I gotta big tell you, loved her face. Yeah, I loved, loved her, her face. That. I did. Um, I gotta yeah. tell you though, in the Pirates of the Caribbean Beckham, movie. In, yeah. 
I think, you know, all the hype goes to Johnny Depp. I liked her. Yeah. And when she leaves that yeah, series, it's not as good. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I liked her the a lot. first one was good. The, the, the other one was bloated. so, I mean, they're so they're bloated. bloated. My yeah. Lord, they're like Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. clones. They're so too, little too much. little too much. No doubt about it. Three, yeah, well, you know, three hour movies that could have been condensed to an hour and 50 minutes. Right. That's um, yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Here's not that they don't have entertainment value, but it's no, three hours. Yeah. You know, I don't need to sit there. Uh, James Conn turns 82 years old this weekend. We're obviously probably going to talk about The Godfather uh, coming up later on with our best pictures. Uh, this is Sonny Corleone. The I'm first glad thing- you brought that up. OK, James Conn, born in 1940, 82 years old. Yes. First film Rio Bravo with John Wayne. That airs all the time on TV, or at least yep. it used to. OK, uh, Godfather. People, people will be surprised at how how thick his classic look, movie. Look at, look at the early part of his career. You could have an awesome film festival. OK, yep. Godfather in 72, The Gambler in 74, Great which movie. to me is a definitive movie on gambling addiction. Yeah, because. Well, you, did, you never character. saw Hidden Gems, though. You got to see Hidden Gems. But be fair. I've been telling you to see okay. Hidden Gems. You got to see uh, Hidden I watched Gems. That. But here's the thing about the the gambler. He plays a character that's a college professor, right? And the script of that movie is really good because it doesn't make him into some like some guy sitting in his house, you know, gambling on horses who's a plumber, right? This is a highly intelligent college professor who gets into the world of gambling. There's scenes in this movie that are so powerful, which I which I cringed, but I loved. There's a yeah. scene in that movie where he's sitting in a bathtub on yeah. a, and listening to a, a Laker game on the radio, right? And I think he loses in the last second. Oh, it's cringeworthy. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end, there's a sequence where he purposely, although they, it's subtle, purposely goes into this dive motel and he gets into a fight and he gets his face cut open. Yep. Right? And he looks in the mirror. The movie ends, he looks in the mirror, basically he's scarred. He, realize, he realizes at that point he is a scarred human being. And if you deal with vice in your life, addiction, uh, imperfection, which I know I have, it's very powerful. And it's a great movie. For anybody who's not seen The Gambler, 74, I know it's on v- VHS and it's on DVD. I, it's streaming. It's streaming. I watched it pretty recently. I forget yeah, which streaming service I saw it on. Okay. And then he did Michael Mann's Thief. It's a terrific movie. Fantastic. Rollable. Rollable. Uh, don't forget that was a it. terrific yep. movie. Yep. That's his early career. Yep. And then and then he and then he and then obviously bounced back with uh, a little bit later with, with the misery. Rob, Ryan I would say misery. this, Some Chuck, people bef- said he was miscast, but he bef- was not. But before he did misery, I would say he had a yeah. mini comeback with Alien Nation, which is a oh, yeah, cult- I classic movie. movie. Yes, it is. It's a good movie. It's yeah, it's a good, good movie. Yep, it's a good movie. I, I forgot that one. Um, yep. Uh, leaving La- leaving Las Vegas, a honeymoon in Vegas. Yep, yeah. honeymoon. honeymoon in Vegas. My yep. Um, and then he did the TV show. Here's the thing: I he did the TV show. His first forte in the TV. They paid him the big money. NBC's Las Vegas from '83 to '88. He had good chemistry with the cast members on that show, including uh, Josh Duhamel. Time, time out, time out. That was 2003, yeah. not '88. 83, 2003 what? to 2007. Oh, no. 2000, right. <laughs> 2003 to 2008. My bad. And I wrote that down. Boy, oh, boy. OK, here's the thing. He 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 was the star of the show for four years and then he wanted to go back to features. So he left. I didn't realize, although I did because I watched it. Tom Selleck was brought in the star yeah. in that show in yeah. the fifth season and he yeah. was good on it. Yeah, 
I, I just forgot that in his Selleck bio. Uh, well, it, it basically Con became that Josh Jamal's show that at that a, point. Yeah, and it, and it, it holds – when you go watch it on streaming, it holds a very well – it's a very entertaining show. Um, yeah, Khan's done a tremendous job. Uh, and, you you know, Elf, he's – you know, he'll live forever in Elf. So a whole generation, yeah. new generations will – will he'll, he's going to live on forever. Honest with you. And we talked about this, that he – if you're a fan of Earthquake in 74, which we both are, he was up seriously considered for the Stuart Craft role that Charlton Heston got – Boy, Mike, that would have been a very different movie. And the only thing I think I can think of why is because Mario Puzo originally wrote the script of Earthquake. His almost his higher screenplay was rewritten by Mark Robson, who wound up producing and directing. But I have the feeling that Mario Puzo connection is why James Caan was considered seriously to star in uh, Earthquake in 74. I think that would have been a fascinating movie if he was a star. No? Yeah, very much so. It, One would, of have been, it, would, have been, it would have been even more edgier, I think. Yeah. It One is of his contemporaries movie, is 88. the edges, very much so. Yeah. One of his contemporaries is 88 this year, and they actually did a movie back in the 70s together, Free Being a Bean, that I was a big fan of. But Alan Arkin yeah. celebrates a birthday yeah. this weekend as well, who's had a, a f- fantastic career, most re- recently with Argo. I liked him a lot in Argo. Um, to me, I always remember him in The In-Laws, Serpentine, uh, you know, Sheldon, uh, opposite Peter Falk. I mean, the guy's had a tremendous career himself. I'm a big Alan Alkin fan. I, I think he's terrific. I remember him, uh, h- how much he e- uh, elevated the Rocketeer. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. Edward Scissorhands, I thought he was terrific in. He had, he's had a, he's worked consistently for decades. I yeah. mean, he's a, he's a, he's a fantastic talent. He's one of those guys Paul who's go, a leading, right? He's one of those guys that's a leading man in the 70s. And you scratch your head, like, how is this, like, the Elliot Goulds of the world? Like, how are these guys? And they would get cast over and over and over again as the le- leading man. And, it always worked because I guess because they're good professional actors that are always going to encapsulate their roles. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're prof- very good professional actors that sh- will show up and elevate the, 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 the words on a script. And uh, last but not least, and they just uh, announced the, the second se- season for uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I really enjoyed on Hulu. Martin Short. Steve Martin and Selena Gomez will be back in June. Martin Short is 72 years old, Chuck. Never had a huge movie career. Um, I, I, I get what was it? What was um, he, he did the movie Inner Space, right? Inner I think Space, that was, that, was, Dante, that yeah. was the one that almost got him going. It's yep. a, a weird. I, got, I always say when I think of Inner Space, I always think of that very sexually charged scene in the in the in the uh, in the freezer. It's a weird scene. Remember that, that movie? Scene? All, yeah, that movie also has the they ran out of film ending, too, where all of a sudden the credits roll when it was just about, like there's a big action chase scene at the end and the credits roll during it. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? And the movie ends. Um, he was good in Three Amigos as the other amigo. Um, and I always thought he stole Father of the Bride, the, the original Father of the Bride. He's actually quite funny in that movie. Um, as the wedding planner opposite. Oh, no, no. Yeah, he's very good here. And again, a lot of comic talents. We talked about this so many times. If they get two out of t- if they make 10 movies and two hit hit really like find a perfect fit, fit for their ability. It's 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 rare. It's hard. Like in I would say Father of the Bride. Very it, it, it fit his talent. That, that was yeah. a winner. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And I know there's a big cult following for uh, Captain Ron. Let's not forget he's opposite Kurt Russell in that movie as well. And he's quite funny in it. Um, and I know Charles Grodin was always a fan of Clifford, 
which never got off the ground either. Um, but it is very funny to watch at times. Interesting actor. Never hit it, hit it real big, but uh, uh, no doubt about it. Chuck, I would imagine our top 10 best pictures are going to be very similar here of the 10 movies. And it's just a question of where you ranked them as opposed to where I ranked them as well. So um, I'm going to go through my 10 through six here and you let me know if, uh, if what you think. And if any of them are on your list, I would imagine a couple of them probably are. I'm not quite sure if number 10 will be on your list, but the first time I saw it, uh, I was mesmerized by Marlon Brando and um, the great movie on the waterfront, Chuck. It's the oldest movie on my list at in 1954. Uh, just the, the 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 performance by Brando and the subject matter of the uh, of the longshoreman there, Chuck. It just uh, it hit home. And my dad, being a union worker at the time, the first time I saw it, it's just a tremendous movie. And the fight scene with Lee J. Cobb at the end and everybody uh, watching. It's just a great movie. Ilya Kazan directed. That's my number ten. Uh, coming in at number nine is Terms of Endearment, the heartwarming James L. Brooks movie, which uh, Jack Nicholson and um, and and of course Shirley MacLaine won an Oscar for uh, a memorable uh, performance by her, a tearjerker of a movie that was a humongous hit, had everybody crying in the theaters. Chuck and I just remember when Jack Nicholson shows up at the pool after uh, her daughter dies. It's just an incredible scene, uh, done really, really, really well. The sequel fell off the boat a little bit, but that movie is just a fantastic movie. Would you, would, you, would you say? Would you say in our lifetime? That type of movie was really the heart of the Oscars in all yeah, lifetime. Yeah. Well, if you think if you think about the stars of it, right? I mean, Jack and, mm-hmm. and Shirley and, 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 and that type of storytelling, yep. right? Yep. Hollywood and, royalty. And it's, yep. and, and, it's, and it's a studio release. Yep. Yep. Big time. Studio Those movies release. made money, a lot of money. That movie was a huge hit. Uh, no doubt about it. And uh, Jack was at and my number no eight. Spider-Man in it. No Spider-Man in it. No Spider-Man. No, no, no Spider-Man in my number eight movie either, Chuck. And, and Jack's in this one, too. And it's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, produced by Michael Douglas in 1975. I mean, that is just a classic movie. Um, uh, that's my number eight. My number seven is the epic Braveheart with uh, Mel Gibson. Uh, I remember seeing yep. this in the theater the first time, and I was just mesmerized by it. I didn't know what to expect from Mel Gibson. And I didn't think, well, what could I care about some guy in Scotland so many hundreds of years ago? Why would it matter? Boy, did it matter. What a tremendous movie. Great score by James Horner. Great score, Horner. too. Yep. And, and he's yep. fantastic. You say what you want about Mel Gibson, but that is his Citizen Kane. There's no doubt about it. And my number mm-hmm. six is Forrest Gump with, uh, you know, a lot of people think it's light, fluffy, probably shouldn't have won Oscar. I'm sorry. This is maybe the most watchable <laughs> outside of a couple of others of the, all the Oscars. Oscar movies ever made maybe and, but uh, w- what movie did what movie that everybody loves got nominated that year didn't win it was Shawshank Redemption right yeah I mean yeah that is a- real, but it goes to show you the quality yeah I mean to have those two movies and, and Pulp Fiction also so think about it holy cow incredible <laughs> yeah. no there's no doubt about it uh Pulp Fiction Four Weddings and a Funeral Quiz Show and Shawshank Redemption uh, all lost to Forrest Gump, and you know they're and all. Now worthy. you know why people tuned into the Oscars, right? Exactly. Then, That's my point. There, Chuck, there, when, there was a reason to. Chuck, when Braveheart won, it beat Apollo thirteen and Babe, two huge movies. You know these are. This is what we're talking about what is, here. So what's happened to the? I will tell. What, well, what, okay. Again, I'm just throwing this out there for people to ponder. What's happened to the industry? Yeah, I don't know. And look, 
Movies like this, they, they, they are liberal movies. These are movies that tackle serious subjects, but are fantastic movies. You, they were mass entertainment. Mass People entertaining movies. These movies made money. People lined up and, and sat and sold out audiences. I, I mean, and it, God and bless the, Power of the Dog and Coda, but people are not watching these movies. And in all these movies, the messages aren't crammed down people's throats like you have to do this. You have to feel this way. There's complicated characters like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, so and we're going to talk about more of some some of the other movies on the list. But uh, my 10 through six on the waterfront, Terms of Endearment, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Braveheart and Forrest Gump. Uh, are my 10 through 6. Very good. Here's my 10. Braveheart. Great movie. Fantastic. And repeatability. Yes. Right? I mean, For a three-hour movie, movie, very repeatable, yeah. It holds up beautifully. Number 9, Million Dollar Baby, 2004. Clint Eastwood, Hillary Swank, Morgan Freeman. Character-driven, completely involving. She was awesome. How could you not love Clint? One of his best directorial efforts. I'm a huge fan. Number 8, I went with Rain Man from uh, 88. One of the great Good star movie. pairings of yep. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, directed by Barry Levinson. Uh, can I note in that movie too? In career, Dustin Hoffman. Yep. Can I note that movie? Dustin yep. Hoffman obviously gets all the praise, but that is one of Tom Cruise's probably best performances in all of his movies ever. Um, he, he, for some great. reason, he doesn't get a lot of the credit for that, but he probably should. Number seven, Silence of the Lambs from 91. Uh, I think groundbreaking in terms of because it, it crossed genres. So captivating. Two of the great mono, it really one of the great, greatest mono e mono, two characters mentally going at each other of all time in Clarice Stalling, Jodie Foster, and Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins. She was great. He was great. And their greatness elevated the greatness of that movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, it's a, it's such a great movie. And number six, uh, my, I think my oldest movie on the list. I went with the sound of music from 65 because I, I think the relevance of the movie, Julie Andrews was a great star. Uh, it's entertaining. It, it has message. It has power and it's a spectacle. So I put that on my uh, 10. Well, it looks like too, Chuck, that um, we have a lot more different movies on here than I thought we would. And maybe our top five would be a lot different, but I mean, these are all worthy. I picks, think our top five is going to be very similar. Um, and full disclosure, Chuck and I decided to combine The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. It's hard yeah. to separate them. And that's my it, number it five, is. Chuck, celebrating their 50th year of The Godfather this month, um, this week, as a matter of fact. Godfather, Godfather 2, the epic Corleones. I mean, what more can we say about this movie at number five here that hasn't been said over and over and over again? I'm curious of where you put it on your list. I put it at number one. You did? Wow. I did. And I'll tell you why. Because... In, in, as I reflect and I think about the industry where it's gone, I say to myself, thank God that Francis Ford Coppola had Cod Blanche to basically make these movies with the freedom that he needed to make them. Because this is what real movie making is about. It's about storytelling that breathes, that takes its time, that involves, that envelops its audience, that has a legacy. Yes. That has meaning. People will be generationally discover these yeah. this movie and will watch it until time runs out. Yep. And this is the heyday to me. This is the heyday of filmmaking before the advancement of technology. But enough knowledge of the filmmaking process where you could deliver something in scope, in size, 
and character in the Godfather one and two have it all. And tell it over Great a period of time in the theater where it's nothing's rushed. There's no big explosions. There's no, I mean, it just not t- play, cut. It's, it's not, it, here's the thing. It's not quick cut, but still completely involving. Yep. Never drags, never drags. No, not, not one. No. In, there's not one unnecessary scene in either of the two movies and, and just tremendous performances all around. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I stole your thunder. I didn't think you'd have it that high, but maybe okay. my number one will be higher on your list. Now, what's your number five? Here's, here, my number five is one flew over the cuckoo's nest from, uh, from, uh, 70, 75. It, it beat out Jaws for best picture. Um, you yeah, know, in my, retrospect, it would have been nice to see Jaws win, you know, 40, 40 something years later. It also but beat out Dog Day Afternoon, it, too. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, you're talking again. We go back. Look at the quality of this category. Look at the quality. Mike, the quality of this category is stunning. Yeah. Um, but I, when I was a kid, I didn't see this in a movie theater. I did a revival of it a few years ago, which was a joy to watch. But when I saw this on TV with my family, we used to watch this movie. And when when Chief says juicy fruit, yeah, it's like what an iconic moment. But Nurse Ratchet, played all by Louis great Fletcher, villains. all time oh great. Oh my villains. lord! I mean, you're talking about one of the all time greatest villains. I mean, and that ending's a shocker. Yeah, it is right? a shocker. A little... It's a shocker. And and Nicholson was born to play McMurphy. He's just great in that movie. You talk about, but what Chief is a great Chief is a great character in that movie. Yeah, Chief's great. All of them. I mean, uh, uh, Brad Dourif and, and Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd. I mean, all up mm-hmm. and down. They're just tremendous. Chuck, how many mainstream movies are going to end like that now? There's nothing, especially a best picture movie not, end with that kind of. But here, but again, climax. again, again, big hit. Marketing campaign, big stars, studio driven. This yep. is what the Oscars were. This is what the Oscars need to be. Yep. If you want to get back the audience, if you want to get people to care, you can do it. But you got to get back to the roots of what made Hollywood Hollywood. Yeah, you can't have this massive separation in terms of what we have now. It's just it, you cannot fool the general public. They don't want to embrace this type of a model. Nope, no doubt about it. You're you're one hundred percent correct. Um, and that scene when they're w- imagining watching the World Series goes down in history as one of the great scenes mm-hmm. of all time. I love yes. that scene. I wonder how uh, many takes that took. Oh my god, god, I can't even imagine. Milos Forman directed this, by yep. the way. Great movie. Uh, my number four yeah. is from the greatest director of our time, and probably the best Oscar night of all time. And that's when Schindler's List won Best Picture. Chuck, I remember seeing this movie in the theaters. Now look. The rewatchability of this movie is almost nil. I remember watching this movie and talk about all time great villains. Ray Fiennes oh. in this. Oh my god! Yeah, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch, but it when is. Liam Neeson plays to, it, he he plays it to oh, perfection. My God, does he ever? Um, almost rec- unrecognizable. That's even him now, if you think about it. But when mm-hmm. Liam Neeson's trying to figure out what he could have done even more to help these people, and and then the the tag on ending, what he does with the old survivors, uh, Holocaust survivors, placing rocks on the graves. I mean, this was this is talk about director Citizen Kane's. This is uh, Steven Spielberg's great movie of all time. There's no doubt about it. Again, tough to watch over and over again, but definitely a yeah. history lesson that I think maybe even more and more people should see now as we watch Ukraine get inv- invaded. That. Listen, yeah. there was a time and a place where this was very real for people. And, and maybe the, the, the people complaining in America about wearing a mask every once in a while should realize, hey, uh, 
your 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 land could have been invaded and people just killed at random because of who you were. And, and let me just bring this up. And it's not on my top ten because let's be honest, I could have put fifty movies in my top. Obviously, 10. yeah. Right. Okay. I was watching the other. I was trying to find something to watch on my Roku with the icing parlor. Right. So. I put on Paramount Plus and I said, oh, I realized that they had uh, Indiana Jones, the Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Last Crusade and then Ra- Raiders. And I said to myself, I don't think even as powerful as Spielberg is, I don't think the studio in this woke Hollywood would allow the Nazis to be the villains in this type of a genre film. I know he had mixed feelings. He said, like, like in retrospect, maybe he shouldn't have did it. Right. But I, I, I always I, I it made me say to myself, like, why did he do it? Well, obviously, deep rooted hatred for for. No, what I, I get it. Yeah, yeah I get I mean, it. Uh, but it, but in the genre that he's doing, it just it, I did. It's, it's very, I just found it like I'm just talking off the top of my head. I, I just found it interesting watching right. it again. Right. Um, but Schindler's List is a great movie. It's just an unbelievable movie. My, num- no doubt my number four. Uh, the original West Side Story from '61. That's my number one three. That's my number one of my all-time favorite. Yep. One of my, you know, it's really interesting. Spielberg's West Side Story, I love, and I, I love both these films. And I think both couples, Natalie Wood and Richard Beamer, uh, and uh, uh, Zegler and um, and uh, what's his name? Yeah, the kid with the weird name. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if off the top of my head. Either. I think they're. I think they're both. They both work tr- really well, and I think they're. I think they're the same movie, but they're different. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but but the original, I have such fondness in my childhood, uh, and I've done a couple of revivals on the big screen. And I think it's a beautiful looking movie, and uh, I, I think of all movie musicals, this is the best music. Not even close. And it's my number three. And I for all the same reasons too. Uh, and I was watching the well, I was watching the new one, too. I was surprised, you know, obviously Rita Marino gets the, the grand scenes and she's fantastic in it. But, you know, um, a lot of the cast of the original is still alive. I, I'm a little surprised Spielberg didn't sprinkle them in into this film at all. He could have, you know, uh, and the Amber question was, is, why didn't why didn't she get nominated? Well, yeah, are they know. missing out oh on a big moment? Are they I missing out know. on a big moment? And let's be honest, she's really good in the movie. She's fantastic in it, and she's fantastic in the original too. I go back because I showed my of daughter she won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. she she won the Oscar for uh for uh for the original, and um mm-hmm. I showed my daughter. I'm like, that's Anita. That's the she's the the old lady in the old one. Oh, what do you do? I think with this West Side Story. Spielberg. She liked it a lot. She she thought oh, it was good. very memorable, very good, very well done. Cool. She loves musicals and um. I mean, obviously, a reminder of her in the Heights a lot. You know, she had seen that a few uh, a couple of years ago. But this is obviously much grander in scale and and the meaning behind it. Romeo and Juliet and all that stuff. So I showed right after we watched the new one, I started showing her scenes of the old one, which is kind of weird to yeah. go back and see the similarities yeah, yeah. to it all. Um, I'm just struck by the colors and the dance sequences. And and just like you said, the music is just well, top notch music uh, from top to bottom. And. Really? Favorite scene in the favorite scene in the original. Mine would be mine's tonight Tony when they all the act to, when they're all getting ready for the rumble and they sing. That's tonight a great together. scene. Uh, mine would be Tony walking through the alleyway singing. I just met a girl named Maria. That's I, a I great love that scene. scene. Oh, yeah, and I, I you know, and and I think the climax of the original is better than the is done better than Spielberg. It is. In, and it's different. One. It is, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I, I just think there's more power to the love story at the end of the first one than there is to the second. You might one. be right. But a lot of it has to do with the fact of who gets to sing somewhere in the new version. Yeah. 
they had to yeah. change things around a little bit because of that, but it, no doubt yep. about it. My number, my number three is West Side Story. So we both got two to go, Chuck, and I'd imagine that we've got the same two movies here. Mine's number two and number one, and yours is number three and number two. My number three is Rocky. Yep, my number two is Rocky. Um, Some, from seventy uh, six. I I remember. Listen, I, I to me again. The right choice, and again, the, the, the movies that Rocky beat out, Net, Network was one of them. Taxi Driver, right? All the President's taxi, Men. I mean, my lord, Taxi Driver. Yeah. But All the President's Men as well. But like here's I, the thing. I, I, I'm at a loss for words when, yeah, I, when, it's 76. When, when I think back at this stuff. But anyway. But they got it right. Rocky, I think they got it right. Rock, Rocky Balboa. This character, this movie, again, another movie that will live genera- generationally forever. And it's a beautiful what Rocky is at the heart of it. It is a love story. Yes. Right. Through and through. It could be sold as a boxing movie, but it's a love story. And it's a beautiful, small scale love story with a star making performance by Sylvester Stallone and an understated, beautiful performance by Talia Shire and great supporting work by Burgess Meredith and Burt Young. And what a great movie. Yeah. And, and you said it best. It is a love story because people say, hey. And it's so motivational. It's so motivational. Ah, I mean, the train- and, oh, 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 let me just not forget. And Carl Weathers is Apollo. Carl Weathers is Apollo. Great. Yeah. He is great. great. Um, and, and really, it, it, it introduced us to the training montage, right? A montage in a movie. Relatively new. Rocky yeah. brought yes. that to the forefront. Um, let me ask you a question. When you think about script writing, think of the script to Rocky. Put, mm-hmm. put, put, put. The footnotes on a on a chalkboard. All these supporting characters in this movie are so relevant to the movie. Like it's not one supporting character. It's not two. You're talking about Paulie, Mickey, yep. Apollo, Adrian, and all Rocky. Tre- and yeah, all with tremendous all backstories. Yeah, all with tremendous. I mean, that is not easy to do. Yeah, that is so hard to do. And, and, you know it, what it, and it's a per, it's a perfect script. And you know what's interesting too is, and I know he made so many more movies with Rocky Balboa. None of it, none of the other movies, even five, which we both say is okay at best. None of the other movies take away or water down the original. They all no, pay, they don't. Somehow they all pay they, homage they to the original. And, and I as, would argue, I would argue, which we talked about, if you were going to bookend two with the first you take rocky and rocky balboa yeah to and me that's, and you got that's a where beautiful book because yep. i think rocky balboa is a great movie yeah i do great, too. and it should have been nominated for best picture in my opinion i, I agree and i think if there were yeah right. I, I i agree um and and getting back to the love story part of it people say well wait a minute rocky doesn't even win the fight at the end but he does win he wins he wins Adrian. He, he that's all he wanted to win. And and yes, and people he, here's failed to what realize. I love about this movie. Here's what I love. You got Adrian, who's a shy person, right? When she meets Rocky, right? As the movie goes on at the three quarter mark, she transforms. And they're now living. They're now living together, right? Yep. That connection. It's not ham. It's not ham fisted. It nope. doesn't hit you over the head. It's subtle. It's very, very subtle. It's subtle. It's believable, and that is real life. Because well, because you see, she has the- she. Because she trusts him now. Yeah. And it's a connection. It's a yeah. human connection of trust. Yep. And it's so beautifully done. And he instills with her in her the confidence she needs in herself to be and realized. And her. Right. It's, it, it's just incredible. And the scene where, you know, she flips out on Paulie and says, I'm moving out. I mean, that 
that's a far cry from what that character started in the beginning of the movie. And and let's be honest, the scene when Mickey comes up to the apartment and asks him to be the trainer, yeah. and then oh, walks down the alleyway, and then and then that that is that's iconic, Mike. And how smart a director John G. Abelson was when Rocky realizes he's a jerk and he comes down. That you don't hear any of that, that has dialogue. Power. That it, that has power. And and let hey Lake. This movie don't work without a big fight at the end either, Chuck. Let's face it, staged perfectly by, you know, Sylvester Stallone. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, audiences were standing up on their chairs cheering in this movie. Rocky, too, took it to another extreme where he actually won. And the way he ended yeah. it, I mean, he manipulated yeah. the audience so much at the end of Rocky, too. It's just ridiculous. But I agree that none of the sequels took away the power of this no, original film. It doesn't. It the doesn't beauty do of it. it is a small, simple, great scripted, character driven emotionally powerful love story that is a great movie chuck our number my number one and your number two i would imagine is titanic yes um, yes and it's not even close to me i did this tell me why it's a great film because it's everything lines up it's a great period piece it's uh, got mm-hmm. special effects it's got an unbelievable newcomer cast which just rose to superstardom a fantastic score a dictator dictatorial director who's not going to bend at all. He's going to make this movie the way he wanted it, how he wanted it. And we talk about great love stories. Rose and Jack. I mean, that may be one of the greatest love stories of all time. He's so smart to to uh, to deliver this movie as an action. Here's what happened to Titanic. But the real story is these two kids on a boat falling in love and what their fate might possibly be. He doesn't and, and here, have that love here, story in it. I'm not and here, sure. What here's, what, right. here's what it is. It's two movies that intertwine is one. Yes. Right. Yep. It's 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 a love story. It's it's so enjoyable. They're meeting. They're yep. bonding. They're, they're falling in love. They're they're making that love. Scene, that that, scene that making love make scene lo- is when they. It's iconic, right? Yeah, it's it a, is. You, it's so well done. Yep. And then you take two fictional characters, right? Yep. And then the the historical event hits. The, the Titanic hits an iceberg. The ill-fated iceberg and you know that the destiny of what's going to happen to these historical people we know how it's going to play out through the eyes of two fictional characters who we have connected with as an audience in a great bond and to me i still say this is the best movie made since 1997 for me not even close this might this is the second best movie of all time if you ask me second or third besides behind jaws I mean, this movie is just unbelievable for me. I, it, it gets me every time. Um, uh, every character matters. And a great score. By a Horner. great score, great James score. Horner. Um, Beautiful uh, score. And Celine Dion's magical song yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. as well. And, and just yeah. the performance. Let's face it. The performance is from Leo, who got snubbed at the Oscars. It was actually a joke that he didn't get nominated. Um, and Kate Winslet are just perfect. It, and I love the way he plays when she comes back, when he's handcuffed, right? Yep. To the rail. Right. Uh, David Warner hair because it's uh, and she comes back with the axe like he's so comfortable in his role. Yeah. Yeah. Like their connection. It's it's so it's so good. It's you believe so good. every ounce of them falling in love. There's not one that's scene. That's not 100 percent. And and so you take a beautiful love story. You connect it with an amazing action oriented disaster. 90 minutes and intertwine them. And you got greatness. And even the um, the current story is pretty powerful, too, with the old lady and Bill Paxton. Oh, that 100%. stuff works, too. The, so, Bill Paxton's awesome in that movie. And yeah, she, he is. And she was great. Uh, 
just a fantastic movie. Chuck, there you go. Uh, my top 10 on the water. I enjoy this. Yeah, it's just great because we, you know what it does? It reminds us of what the Oscars used to be. Right. It reminds us. What the, of, and really what the industry used to be. It used to be. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and what our world used to be. Chuck. It's so, changed so much. The, the, I Nomadland won Best Picture last year. I, I mean, if you were to give me 10 chances to pick out who what, what Nomadland and Titanic. That's all I need to say. Nomadland and Titanic. Enough said. If it, told, it doesn't show you what's wrong with the, everything in the in in uh, Academy Awards, I don't know what will. Um, again, on the again, waterfront, you can't have, you can't you can't have movies that win Oscars, the same Oscar as Godfather, and nobody watching these movies a year or two later. Nope. Forget about ten years later. No, I'm just. I mean, all due respect, I'll go back. Parasite. And, I, and again, all due respect. Yeah. You name the movie you've seen twice: Parasite, Green Book. Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight, I saw twice. I enjoy Bird, Green Book. Uh, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, yeah. Argo, mm -hmm. The Artist, The King's like Speech. Um, yeah, I get I get what you're you get saying. get what I'm going I here? They're not generational. They're the, not generational. The last generational one might be No Country for Old Men. Maybe you could make the argument for Slumdog Millionaire. I don't know. And, and now to the Oscars, to the Academy, people who make these decisions, instead of having diversity requirements – you should have generational yes. vision. That's yes. what you should have. Yeah. And I, 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 they need to realize, unfortunately, there are still a lot of straight white males that watch movies. It's OK that you make movies about them, too. It's OK. We're going to enjoy those, too. We'll enjoy them all. Um, but it's OK. You don't have to go out of your way to not make that movie. Um, my top 10 on the waterfront terms of endearment. One flew over to Cuckoo's Nest, Braveheart, Forrest Gump. The Godfather's one and two, Schindler's List, West Side Story three, Rocky two, and Titanic one. Uh, my top ten: number ten, Braveheart; number nine, Million Dollar Baby; number eight, Rain Man; number seven, Silence of the Lambs; number six, Sound of Music; number five, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest; number four, West Side Story; number three, Rocky; number two, Titanic; number one, Godfather one and two, intertwined for the purpose of this uh, broadcast. That was fun. I really did enjoy this. Yeah. All right, Chuck, we'll do it all over again next week. Enjoy the ceremony uh, as they happen tomorrow night. And we'll talk about it next week to the audience. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.